Everybody in the world to the Mug of the Pre Variety Hour on every podcast provider in and around God's beautiful blue green orb that we call planet Earth. I'm Michael Dupree. Man, oh man, guys. Uh, so at the time of the release of this episode, which is March 30th, uh, okay, so this is my first time recording <laughs> the show. Since uh, everything has been breaking out here in Michigan with this whole C virus thing. <laughs> and uh, so you guys, I- I'm pretty sure in the most recent episode, <laughs> I was talking about like, man, this year's been going great. <laughs> everything, there's no, been not really any mud, big problems. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> and that episode's still not out at the time of this release. <laughs> so... <laughs> So when you guys listen back to those episodes, just know, I didn't know yet, guys. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I knew that, that it was a thing, but like, yeah, man, who knows what it's going to be? I mean, full disclosure, I don't normally break the wall like this, but uh, March 14th, <laughs> it's the, we only have 25 cases of it in Michigan right now. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Who knows what it's ever going to be at that only point? Only 25. I hate to predicate your to ha- having you on with talking about this, but man, it's hard not to talk about it, right? Yeah, man. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> if you've never listened to the Michael Pierre Friday Hour before, it is an art showcase and comedy show where we feature local musicians, painters, poets, artists, sculptors, directors, writers, and more. I also I said sculptors again, but it's still not true. Still never had a sculptor on no the show. And also, you know what? Well, to be frank, I've only ever had one poet on the show before. Is that right? So, I mean, I've had people who write poetry. I've had, you know, but like, let's go through that list. So I say, I say, uh, it's an art showcase and comedy show where we feature local musicians. Check painters. Actually, only like one painter too. Why is that number two on the list? <laughs> musicians, painters, poets, like only one. Painters, poets, artists, sure. Sculptors, zero. Painter, poets, artists, sculptors, directors, yes. Writers, yes. Improvisers, actors, yes, yes. Okay. So a couple of those are 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 kind of iffy, but I'd say I'd say painters, poets, artists. I mean, painters, poets, sculptors. They're all on the chopping block, mm. but it's it rolls off the tongue so well, you know. Oh, man. Uh, we have a great show. It's also the world's only mandatory podcast, by the way. So welcome back, everybody in the world. Uh, we have a wonderful show lined up for you guys today. Uh, later on, we'll be playing a very fun game uh, about autobiographies. Uh, and then later, uh, a little bit before that, we'll be joined by uh, his name is Rockin' Ronnie Randall, radio host. So get excited about that. Uh, he, he's, uh, I heard he's, he told me he doesn't really understand that, uh, we're on a pod, what a podcast is. So, uh, excited to kind of try to explain that to him. But right now we are joined by a longtime friend of mine. It's been, how long we, I mean, I guess not a long like time, three, three years, but it feels like a long time. It feels like a long time. Yeah. I, I think, uh, our, our friendship precedes my improv. Eh, no, 
No, that's not true. It's, it's I man, I've been doing improv longer than I even remembered. Um, but it's been uh, it's close. It's very close. Uh, but his name he is a Detroit filmmaker and director of the upcoming short film Love, an autobiographical drama. Please welcome Jalen Beatty. How y'all doing? Good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Staying healthy, staying yeah, safe. Absolutely. Good. Top I, I hope at the time of the release of that, we can both still say yes. Yes, right. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Jalen, you are so tell tell the people uh, where you're from and uh, like when you start getting getting when in your life did you start like uh, being creative? Oh, okay. When did I start being creative? Well, my name is Jalen Beatty. I'm uh, from the east side of Detroit. Uh, born and raised, I bounced around a little bit between here and Chicago, um, and I think uh, to answer your question of uh, when did I when did I start being uh, creative? I mean, it's one of those things that like I, I kind of feel like um, people are born with. I mean, there was there was I think it starts as just like curiosity mm-hmm. about the world, and then. Uh, questions that you want answered, and then in your process of trying to get those answered, you learn other things that kind of pique your interest. And I think that at a, at a really young age, um, one of the things that was interesting to me was how to uh, uh, capture the world that you live in. And um, I must have been like like four years old, and I would go a place that I really enjoyed, and I would sit down and I would draw a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day uh, I came back home um, and and I drew a bowling alley. Now, at, at, at four or five years old, what do I know about perspective? I don't know. But <laughs> my mom will explain it, that I drew a bowling alley where, like, all of the lanes kind of converge, you know, as it goes further back yeah. in space. And I drew the bowling ball and the pans and the people in the lanes. And it was one of those things where it was just a place that felt home to me because my I was on a on a bowling league as a kid, but really my grandma was on the bowling league, and I would be there with her, and that was just kind of like a nostalgic thing that like it left an imprint on somebody that young that I wanted to like, I wanted to be able to hold on to that. Yeah. Um. And so when the image is in my mind, I would put it down on paper. Um. She would describe it as like it's 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 crazy that a four year old drew it, but um. I don't know. That was just it, life. Yeah, I guess that was just <laughs> that's just what it was. So. Uh, and that uh, how did. How and when did that translate to you getting interested in filmmaking? Um, uh, relatively recently. So one thing that I always say is um, when it comes to, I don't know, getting the creative juices flowing, I've always been... Um, I've always been <laughs> throat crook. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've always been uh, a storyteller um, mm-hmm. and a writer, and um, that was also home for me. So I, uh, I don't know. Any time that um, that I needed a release or um, there was something I felt like I couldn't articulate with words, I would, you know, I couldn't verbalize, say out loud. I would I would take my time and gather my thoughts on paper, and there were so many stories um, that after I got through writing, I realized there were gems of like knowledge and things that I learned from experiences in in those writings. Um, and I think I think 
I, I never planned on going to art school or film school. Mm-hmm. Um, I plan on going a more conventional route. I plan on going to business school. Um, I wanted to be an architectural engineer, you know, own a company in that realm. And uh, but I had always been an artist. Um, and uh, it's a long story, but um, eventually it clicked to me that like it, if I were if I were to do what I was passionate about, I'd probably be more fulfilled in life. So like not just doing what I thought I was good at, but what I actually enjoy doing, mm-hmm. which um, at some point in time, I learned um, that I I recorded everything, like every like every like millisecond of whatever. Um, my family can come to me and say, "Do you have pictures or videos of this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I yeah, do. I got it. Of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. I mean, because it was like anything that was that was a point in time in my life where I'm like, this, I want, I want to be able to hold on to this. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was getting that. I think my mom got me my first camera when I was like." 12 or something um but even even before then i was right i was writing and and stuff like that and what is um, it what is it do you think that is that you know compels you to that's always compelled you to do that is it just like that sense of home that or like like what kind of fascinates you about capturing a moment um because they're fleeting and i think that you can't fully appreciate them while you're in them and oftentimes uh when you um okay so like there there were times in my life where like I mean black parents are always like this I don't know about other parents but they're like you're going to thank me when you're older or you're going to tell me I was right when you're older mm-hmm. and and so I I was I don't know why a 14 year old is thinking this but I'm like I want to know what I was thinking at 14 when I'm like 30 you oh, know what I mean I see. so I would like I would document like where my mom was and and record me and record my siblings so that like especially my siblings cuz they like know it alls kind of like <laughs> me and um and I would just kind of like like document where they are in their life and I'm like you're going to be embarrassed by this in about 5 years like just just hold on and sure enough and sure enough <laughs> and sure enough that's kind of I don't know that's kind of how it played out but um I don't know because it it gave me basically I I was doing kind of documentary work. So mm-hmm. like I was um fascinated with like how how you grow over time yeah. as a person. Um and then like having a documented that like I was out my sister's a singer. I was always like if you if you blow up as a singer, you're gonna want some of those videos from when you were like five years old singing. So it was almost like a that's service. Just dope. <laughs> exactly. Service to those around you. Exactly. So I'm like, you're gonna want, you're gonna want a record of that. Like that's you're be the dope. archivist of, of your of the people. Literally, around you. <laughs> literally, I have photos of everybody. But well, that's funny because now that I think about it, that's that was actually my mom's thing. She, it was something about video that she she wasn't completely for. I think it was um, having pictures and and kind of if you have one image. Like, uh, I've remembered something, and then my mom's explained it, and what I thought I remembered completely went out the window, <laughs> because now I'm influenced by her recollection of what went down. So she was she was the archivist of, of pictures, and she has pictures of the entire family, my grandmother too, and then I've got a video of everything and everybody from, 
10, 12, 15 years back. You're inspiring me to start taking more pictures and videos when I'm I together with so friends because, like, I I never, ever do. I'm at, a, I'm at an age where, like, a lot of people, I mean, being in high school where, like, I don't know, you're kind of actively around people, the same people every day. People get really comfortable around you. But, like, in spaces I'm in now, like, this is a little bit different. But, like, when I was, even when I was working at Apex, I look, he wanted to bring a camera in every day. <laughs> but I'm like, people are not comfortable being on camera. And so, For context, Jalen and I also used to work at the same company. Like, he used to, I still work there, but he's, yeah. he went back to school. So and, um, and pe- so people are weird about being on camera now. So there are so many things that, like, I will literally. I have. I have ten second clips from things that I'm like, why didn't you just keep recording? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. There was. I don't know. I keep a record of everything now, but I really should. I I should record more. So you were saying that you uh, you you were interested in going to being a architectural engineer. Uh-huh. How did that How did that change to go into to CCS and um, and how did uh kind of. Did you did you go there knowing that you wanted to do film or how did that work? Um I went there with um the Okay, well actually it happened like this. So um the summer before I was supposed to go to college I was working at CCS, mm-hmm. ironically. And uh I came across a person that talked to me about um, my connection to CCS, and I told him that I was an artist, but that I wasn't going to school for art, that I thought I would minor in art and major in something else um, up at, like, University of Michigan. And they were talking to me about, like, where where do you feel like you best fit? And I and I had done, like, a, a pre-college program at, at, at CCS, and, um, and part of me kind of was torn because... Everyone's like, oh, you're going to be a starving artist. And that's mostly people who are like kind of out of the loop and don't understand that kind of every single thing in our world has been touched by an artist disguised in industry as a designer, mm-hmm. right? So from the shoes that you wear to the jackets you rock to the headphones you got on to the car that you drive, um, all of that was done by a designer in an industry where they mask that. You know, they're really an artist, but... Um, I I I knew that I was an artist. I knew that I enjoyed being creative, but I didn't necessarily see a career outcome from yeah. that. Um, and somebody somebody explained to me that like they they had an opportunity to choose between uh, Harvard University of Michigan and Wayne State, and I'm like, okay, so they picked Harvard right immediately, right? And they're like, I picked Wayne State. I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? What, why would you do that? And um, and they explained to me that sometimes you just have to do what's best for you, like what what fits and what works for you. And so, of course, you can imagine when I got in the University of Michigan, my entire family was thousand percent behind it. Yeah. Of course, they wanted me to go there. Um, great school, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest pool of uh, alumni in the world. Um, and so, of course, they wanted me to go there, but. Um, I wasn't entirely doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I actually, I found out some things that the school offered that I didn't know that they offered. You think art school, you think that they're just drawing and painting. And that's not, that's not true. It's not the case. And, um, and I went in initially, uh, like I showed my portfolio to some people who were like, you'd be great in entertainment arts. 
doing animation. And I'm like, okay, all right, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, because I, I wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it got down to it, kind of understanding that, that that's, what, that's what my passion was, I was like, all right, I'll do that. I got in there, and everybody takes the, the same foundation classes each year. Um, or in the first year. And so um, I started to kind of question, like, animation. Does that mean, like, hand, you know, frame by frame? I'm like, no, hold on, wait. I don't think I picked the right thing. <laughs> that's not that's not quick enough of a, of a process, <laughs> I think, for the kind of stories that I'm trying to tell. And, um, and after a lot of uh, convincing and conversation with the kind of heads of those departments, um, I switched over to film, but uh, I haven't talked about that in years. That's funny. Wow. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, very cool. Uh, so you, your, uh, you, your short film that you're writing, uh, "Love and Autobiographical Drama," it's uh, about beauty being found in the midst of struggle. Is uh, how you put it. That's one aspect of it. Um, it's yeah. uh, it's about the story of a young you uh, who's exposed to the complexities of adult relationships upon learning about his father's affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what was it about this memory? Uh, I'm assuming this is a true story. Um, obviously, the autobiographical drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what was it about this memory that was so evocative to you, and uh, what made you want to translate it to film? Um, well, uh, when I initially was trying to um, find a story that I thought was, in one way or another, worth telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I said this before. I, I had um, written out 10, 15, I think, 15 plus, like 20 pages of short stories of like 13 different moments in my life that I felt were like pivotal for me as a as a human growing, as a small human growing into, you know, uh, you know, adolescent or into an adult or just moments in my life that kind of um, kind of define me as a person, you mm-hmm. know, defining moments. And um, when I got to this story, uh, it was um, a story that stood out because it uh, challenged um, something that I had gotten in the film to do, um, but wasn't doing uh um for my own um for my own reasons and, and and apprehensions about um essentially telling stories that weren't made to make people comfortable mm-hmm. and uh this story was uh a story that portrayed a lot of people in my life um, and a light that at one point in time I questioned, um, was it a positive light? Was it a negative light? Um, and, and who is it, who, who, who is it meant to, who's meant to decide kind of where that stands? Um, and, um, I don't know. I, here, ask me the question one more time. What was it about it that <clears throat> made you, that kind of stuck with you so much and wanted you to translate it to film? Right. Like, why was it, uh, you know, why this and not 
you know, I'm sure you have no no shortage of of uh, right. memorable experiences. But what was it about this that you think uh, needed to be told? So, um, like you know, the film is is titled Love. We've played around with that title a little bit, um, and the the story started off, I think, almost being a love letter to my dad, um, who whose relationship um, is kind of, you know, fizzled out in a sense. Um, that kind of connection that we had that's um, portrayed in the story. Um, and it was uh, a way for me to um, kind of demonstrate how you can, one, uh, really love and appreciate a person for what they did um, kind of provide to your life, but then, um, in a similar way, also not really want them to be a part of the life that you have now because of, uh, the kind of reverse effect did that, that that impact and time in your life also had. Um, and this was one of those stories that like, it touches on a, a relatively taboo subject, infidelity. And, um, and kind of details uh, uh, a perspective from from a younger version of me um, that kind of shows what um, witnessing these experiences felt like to a child, um, and so I think that's kind of that's kind of where it began. But um, where it's kind of evolved into is a story um, that kind of represents the one innocence lost um as a child kind of uh develops um starts to understand things about the world um and um is following the examples of the adults in their life that are also still figuring it out and um one of those things that adults are often still figuring out is like what love is what it means what it looks like um and how it should be represented and i think that last part is something that's not thought about so much that when uh when parents are going through a divorce or when uh a child sees um uh their father with a different woman every other weekend or um when um a mother is single for the entirety of the kid's youth like the message that sends to a kid um, which oftentimes um, doesn't always translate into something positive. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm using this story as a means to demonstrate that despite what um, one could assume would be the result of witnessing something that young would be, that just because that happened, it doesn't mean that it has to define where and how um, I took that experience and let it manifest in my life. Yeah, because you would assume that it would just be very traumatic and make you not trust people, and yeah. you know, those are all the, the ideas that you would have. Or it would make me go on to repeat the actions right. of my father. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, how writing such a personal, writing and making the decision to write and direct and portray and mm. express such a personal and I mean embarrassing uh you know to a certain degree I'm sure like uh story um 
had to have been a tough choice. How did, how did you how did you kind of get the courage to to tell that story? It's funny you say that. I'm glad that you're that you're kind of frank and upfront about the fact that I think this kind of story can be embarrassing. Yeah. And I think I'm using it as an opportunity to change that narrative to then um to then uh I guess emphasize this idea that I don't have to connect what happened to me to who I am as a person, even though that's kind of, um, I think like if, if I just were to like tell you that story without any context, I mean, that's, I think that would be the, yeah. the, 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 the general, like when I, when I first told this story to somebody, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened <laughs> to you. And I'm like, I'm not, it gives me great stories yeah. to tell. Like, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It happened. Um, but I don't, I don't connect it to who I am as a person in, in a negative way. And I, I feel like it, it happened and had it not happened, I probably wouldn't be who I am. Sure. Um, and, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like just accepting the cards that I was dealt. So yeah, in one respect, I think that that, that's kind of what was, um, weighing on me to an extent is that it can be seen as something that's like, um, it's misunderstood for like. Okay, so what does that mean about you? Um, and so I'm taking, so I'm I'm using this film as an opportunity to tell you what that means. So how can people uh, support this film? You're still you're still in mid production on it. Yeah, you're raising money still for it. What's uh what pre production? What's the plan? How can, um, how can people help you out? Uh, the plan is to raise the rest of the funds to make this film. Um, in the midst of everything going on, we're still. Um, Make a sense of you know yeah still what that means for production. Got to rework the schedule. Got to rework the schedule just a little bit um, because there are so many kids involved in the production, and we want to be very cognizant of when they're in school and things like that. But uh, this film can um, be supported on its Indiegogo page. You can look up uh, Love Dash an autobiographical drama. Um, uh, it'll pop up on Indiegogo on Facebook. There's a link to it on Instagram. It's at love dot the film. Um, and, uh, we we're we're about 70% to our goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we got about a month, a month time, um, 70% to our goal in one month's time. And we got one more month, um, to fundraise just to reach that goal. Um, but this story, I mean, I'm, I'm learning because it's, um, it's a story about my life and it stars an entirely African American cast, but the themes in it are not are not uh uh secluded or are not um are not uh singled out to only only one, you know, race, gender, national, whatever. Sure. And and so I'm learning that it's a pretty universal message, which is like that happened, but that doesn't it doesn't define my trajectory in life yeah. or who I can become or, or what's destined for me. And um and you don't have to feel destined to repeat the um the kind of uh uh you know actions and, and behaviors of those that kind of were representative of how you were supposed to um be and act in this world. You know, the people that you kinda saw as like your role models. Um, it gets to a point in your life where like your narrative doesn't have to be controlled by anyone else and you can change that. Um, and so that's what the message, that's what the core message of this film. 
is. Well, speaking about messages and uh, <laughs> causes that are meant to kind of empower and uh, uplift people, um, you're also a youth ambassador uh, with yes, uh, my my brother's keeper, my brother's keeper alliance. Yes, sir. Uh, which is uh, you know an organization started by President Barack Obama, mm-hmm. um, the Barack Obama Foundation, um, and it's. Uh, you know, it's about making the you know from their vision. It's American making the dream, American dream available to all boys and young men of color by eliminating gaps in their opportunities and outcomes. What kind of stuff do you? What kind of programs and and services right. and stuff do you guys uh, right. do in that organization? Um, so uh, a lot of my stuff kind of happens on the ground and locally, and so there are um, a ton of my brother's keeper. Um, organizations and kind of groups that happen in schools around Detroit. And um, a lot of my kind of um, connection to those people that are sitting right in my community has been to just kind of expose them, one, to what things are possible for them because they were possible for somebody else that came right from their community. Um, And um, where the bar actually is as opposed to where it looks like it is because of the surroundings that we that we kind of grew up with, right? Um, I know a lot of people that never leave the block, and I think that like one of my one of my kind of one of my kind of core um, uh, uh, like purposes um, in life, or at least in the time that I have to talk to these young men in in the city of Detroit um, in different schools, is to um, in a sense, rewire their kind of thought process, broaden their scope of what's possible. Um, because I kind of see each and every individual uh, young person um, in 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 the circumstances that I grew up in as underappreciated potential. Um, where like if that was just nurtured a little bit more, if they were explain, if it was explained to them that like you can be whatever you want isn't just a saying and it's it can be uh, a reality and something that, that that can actually like manifest in your life to like become true um just just to help to give them some perspective on uh how to get from a to b yeah. before they get to an age where they don't see it possible for yeah. themselves um and, and so that's kind of what that's kind of the work that I'm doing here in the city but um, I do a lot of uh, speaking at the community meetings to the young people there and um, just talking about um, just talking about like like I don't know how life can how life can if if you if you make the if you if you make the choice to um, not uh, how do I say that? If if you make the cho- <clears throat> sorry, if you make the choice to not let this life you're living be um, wasted or in vain, this gift that you've been given, um, and to kind of shoot for the stars in every aspect of your life. I believe in like the power of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that everything that has come my way has been me shooting for the stars and landing 
on the moon, right? Like, and then every time that I've like done that, I've I've shown myself just what is possible, um, rather than believing the people around me, or um, or believing that uh, the space that I that I kind of um, the space that I that I inhabit now is as far as I can go. Um, I don't know, so I make it a point to kind of to kind of basically dispel those those thoughts about what is and what's not possible um, for young people. Uh, outside of that, um, I wanted to make it a point to use the medium that I um, that I've been developing in this craft for a while. Um, to do more of that, uh, more, more of, um, letting, letting young people know what is, uh, possible for them by being an example of that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think through programs like, um, my brother's keeper, um, uh, and, and of course, like all of the initiatives at the Obama foundation and offering opportunities to, um, young people of color, um, it only, uh, feeds back into, um, the idea that like, it's possible for anybody that's from where I came from or anybody that looks like me. Um, and I, and I think every time that I kind of get to reconvene with the people, um, a part of that, that program and, um, and that are pushing that initiative forward, um, I come back to Detroit with a with a kind of uh, heightened and, and rejuvenated sense of um, just how how real that is, um, and so that when I'm sharing that message to the people that I'm trying to reach, um, it doesn't come from a place of just like uh, hopes and wishes, but like tangible, you know, physical like possibilities. So. Um, so uh, on, and uh, <clears throat> I guess I would be remiss if I didn't because you've met Barack Obama like have, what like couple, several times, times now. Yeah. Well, that must have been <laughs> surreal the first yeah, time. And yeah, and probably every other subsequent time. I was writing about it yesterday um, because it it was one of those it was one of those situations where um, I think right around the time that I met him was was actually around the time of a lot of turmoil in my life the first time. Right. So, I mean, I, I always shoot for the stars. I, I think, I, I think I've always believed that I can do and be, um, whatever it is that I kind of, you know, um, worked hard toward and, 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 and set my mind on. Um, but I, uh, I got into that space on stage with, you know, the likes of, uh, Stephen Curry and Barack Obama, um, recently Michelle Obama, um, John Legend, Michael B. Jordan, Ryan Coogler, Ava DuVernay. I'm in spaces Not with the people, greats. the right. So I mean, people who are who are like who are like killing it in their field, right? Yeah. And um, there's a sense, oftentimes, because you can't contextualize what kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity it is that you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. There's a sense that like. It's like it's I, I like the Obama fellows 
often though the people who get chosen for programs like that are like one out of like thirty thousand people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um like you might you might get into a space like that and question like how in the world did I be and it's not because it wasn't that this this wasn't necessarily I think like a competitive thing, the way that I stumbled upon that opportunity was more just like right place, right time. And uh, it's like, how how in the world did I get a, like, a kind of coveted spot in a seat that like people would would pay to be in? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and uh, there, there was a little bit of that going on. It was like, like, um, trying to, I mean, to an extent, putting myself in the position, <clears throat> putting myself in the position of the people that are, like, from my neighborhood who see me as, like, the ticket out the hood or, like, the, the guy that's going to make it out of everybody. And I'm like, I came from the exact same experiences, maybe even rougher experiences than you've gone through. Um, And if I, and if I got here, all I've ever wanted was for my, like, I think everybody feels this way. You want your friends to come with you. You know, you want to kind of, if if I'm experiencing some level of success, I would love for my friends to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people who don't believe that their kind of trajectory in life is to go that far. And and for some people, um, well, what's the quote? It's like, uh, uh, the man who believed he could could, and the man who believed he could could couldn't couldn't, or something. Yeah. Some kind of some kind of form of like whatever it is you believe is possible. It is. It is, and um, and so as I'm kind of in spaces like that, I'm kind of like, you know, like of of everybody that could be sitting here, it's me, and you can't, you can't. Uh, it's it's kind of inconceivable in that moment, just how that kind of thing comes about um but i think by <laughs> by the second or third time just kind of being in spaces like that um i get a sense that you you know you start to you start to unravel um you know those kind of uh they call it like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. or, um the feelings like you like you don't like you don't belong or like you haven't earn that seat just because um you can't you can't put into context just how many people want the same the same opportunity that you got uh, um and i was um i don't know blessed to kind of be welcomed and um and reinvited into spaces like that uh, enough times that it kind of clicked that like you do you do belong here. here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much for being on the show today, Jalen. You rock. <laughs> <laughs> go support Love and Autobiographical Drama on go uh, on go. Was it Indiegogo or GoFundMe? Indiegogo. Or Indiegogo. Awesome. Um, we're gonna take a quick uh, break, guys. Uh, we have Dinah Jones. She is uh, on her couch again, and she's with Betty Baker, and uh, it's gonna be pretty good. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Dinah Jones on your couch. I'm Dinah Jones. Today, 
I am in the home of Home Baker, Betty Baker extraordinaire. Betty Baker has been in multiple magazines for her lovely cupcakes, her moist brownies, and her delectable, delectable waffle cones. Today, I'm seeking what the secret is behind building a home enterprise. Betty Baker, please introduce yourself and tell us what made you get into baking. Well, uh, Dinah, I've always had a very fine love for baking and pies and piping hot pastries. That's right, and I've always really wanted to make people happy and smile, like in those old cartoons and sitcoms where a mother would place a hot apple pie and the neighborhood would walk by smiling and practically galloping with joy. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful situation you've built for yourself. Oh, and this, this here is my husband, Richard. Oh, and he... Oh. Now, Richard looks unfulfilled. That's right. You see... Nobody's complete without an angry, ornery husband. And Richard, well, he's the angriest and ornery of them all. Say hi, Richard. What? So That's right. Is, is that the secret behind um, the most amazing, most successful home baking company in the world? That's right. Every single pie is made with love. A little bit of flour, a bit of spice of cinnamon, and yes, my angry husband Richard stands over the pies and lords over them with an angry glare. Yeah, she adds all my MDMA to the batch. That's my husband, always the jokester. Have a Slim Jim and sit down. <clears throat> Get it quietly, honey, or I'll have to hit you with the switch. Can you freaking open it? I've just bit into the plastic. I'm not looking when you hand me stuff. Okay? Thanks. Go sit over there. Wow, it really seems as though your marriage has been full of everything, including... Betty! Betty! Richard, I'm doing an interview on the television. Where's my remote? Oh. It's right under your butt, buddy. Oh, shit! I'm sorry! Don't turn on the TV, though. We're doing an interview. Oh, you want me to turn off the TV? Okay! It seems as though your home life has only made it completely welcoming to start something like a home baking company. That's right. It's a very warm home with a lot of love and respect and uh, cold, angry nights, just like any famous family home. I mean, I, 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 when I came here today, I did, um, I did expect a little bit of a difference. Um, but upon arrival, I cannot tell you the mountain of absolute amazement I've had with this story. Well, thank you so much, Dinah. It's been my pleasure to have you. And in order to send you off well, here is a nice piece of blueberry rhubarb pie. Oh, well, thank made you. this morning. Hmm. Oh, well, yes, it, it tastes absolutely like anger and a little bit of tension. That's right. Well, now would you like me to watch me make out with my husband on the couch for three minutes? I'm all right, but thank you so much. Come for on, Diana, get over here and sit down next to us. Well, this has been another episode of Dinah Jones. Not on your couch. I'm Dinah Jones. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dinah. I'm still joined here by Jalen Beatty. Yeah. Uh, and now we are joined by our next guest. He is a radio host 
Uh, please welcome Rockin' Ronnie Randall. Hey, how's everybody doing? Rockin' Ronnie Randall, the Triple R. Triple R. Uh, and you are a host, what's your radio station called? Uh, I used to be part of uh, 105.79. Uh, but they uh, they cut me loose. They said my uh, programming was outdated. Why is that? As you know, a little uh, little sexist, I guess they said. What do you think? Well, you know, I just come from a I'm an old school guy, you know, wet t shirt contests yeah. and all that. I used to host a lot of those back in the eighties. You're not a you're not a you don't think you're sexist. No, not at all. I mean, it's. Millennials are the problem, you know. Hey, but let's have some fun, all right? Yeah, let's have fun. Uh, so you are, uh, uh, you've been a radio host for many, many years, um, but you ref- but you haven't, uh, you're, you're, none of your stuff's on demand. You still got to listen to it live. Uh, but you, So you haven't gone over to the podcasting world. No, never. I don't quite get the podcast thing, you no? know. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going to the phones, right? Because I got some kiss tickets I want to give away to. <laughs> going to the phones? What do you mean? Yeah, I mean we got people calling in, right? Who's what's what's the what's the phone number to call into this? I mean, no, we don't have a, we don't have anyone calling in. Uh, we could. Uh, uh, oh man, well I was I was ready to give away some kiss tickets. Uh, I mean you. I'm sorry. I mean the show doesn't come out for another like couple like fifteen days. Uh, so I don't think, I don't think it... Oh, shit. All right. Well, go. Sorry. Can I say that? Uh, it's okay. I mean, hey, don't beat yourself up, man. You're right. really down now. You uh, want some Kiss tickets? Uh, no. I've, I actually have seen Kiss before. Um. I know Kiss. You do? Yeah, Gene Simmons, he's a great friend of mine. How long have you known Gene Simmons for? He seems like he'd be a, like a scumbag. Well... I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, he he did sleep with my wife. Really? Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah, he'd sleep with everyone's wife. It's just cool. <laughs> like, is that like a badge of honor in the radio? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you haven't made it until Gene Simmons has slept with your wife. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, man, I'm sorry. I, I thought you, uh, I, I thought, I, I thought you knew that this was uh, not, you know, being recorded. No, I don't, I, I don't know anything about podcasts, you know, I I thought it was like internet radio or something. Um, no, not really. It's I mean, I guess kind of it's kind of like the modern internet radio, like like you you listen to it on the internet, but no, yeah, it's not quite like that. All right. Well, it's Are you uh, okay. <laughs> you seem really sad. I'm kind of confused right now. All right. It's like okay, you know like Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like Netflix but for like radio shows. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, but you don't have. But so people are. This is a video. People are. They're no, watching no, this. Right no, now. there's no video. I mean, they they are recording it for Jalen's purposes. <laughs> uh, but typically, no, there's not a. There's no. <laughs> it's like radio on demand. Exactly. Oh, right on, man. Right on. Um. Yeah. Exactly. It's like radio on demand. But unfortunately, that means. Uh, like the whole call-in aspect is uh, kind of dying. Oh, you man. can't really. I mean, there are people that do live podcasts, admittedly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what's the difference between a live podcast and just a radio show, right? I don't know. You could do like a Bandersnatch version of a podcast show. What, what's a Bandersnatch? You never seen Bandersnatch? Uh, it's like a it's a Black Mirror <laughs> I know episode. Her. Of like, oh, yeah. like the choose your own adventures yes. thing. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> Took me like an hour and a half to get through. Do you ever watch Bandersnatch? Rockin', rockin' Ronnie Randall? No, man. I I've had some bad snatch before, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, 
<laughs> no. No. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. Right on. All right. <laughs> you seem uncomfortable. I'm having, uh, no, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a little drunk. I'm sorry. Oh, what do you, what do you, what, what, what's your uh, poison? Uh, you know, a little bit of the uh, old Kentucky. Oh, you're a whiskey man. Oh. Always. My dad was an old Kentucky man. How are you getting by in the, in today's uh, pandemic, era of the pandemic? Uh, you know, I'm just staying in my basement. Yeah? I'm living with my mom right now, actually. Kind of tough right now. What, but, what uh, happened? Why, why, why is that? Well, just ever since I got cut loose from the radio show and, you know, my wife left me. Oh. Wait, I, in that order? Yeah. Did she, she left you, did she leave you with the guy from Kiss? Yeah, she went out on tour with him. Wow. Yeah. Are they? Oh yeah, I guess they're on their farewell tour. Yeah, like it's always a farewell tour. <laughs> Same with Ozzy, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he just canceled his farewell tour. He got he got sick. I mean, or he got I don't know what happened with him. But this was I think this was before before uh, he you know the big C you know came mm-hmm. around. Or how do cancer? You feel? No, <laughs> no, that's been around. <laughs> that's been around for a while. No, okay. Uh, well, how do you feel like all these, I, I mean, all these people that you kind of grew up listening to and giving away tickets for, you know, their, their careers are coming to an end and you know, well, how do you, how does that make you feel? I mean, it's the end of an era, man. You know, yeah. it's like rock and roll's dying and you know, there's no guitars anymore. You turn on the radio. I haven't heard a guitar solo on the radio in a long time. Yeah, I guess that, I mean. I think if you listen to like eighty nine X, yeah, you'd hear some like some guitar solos from like. Uh, but I'm talking about the new kids, you know. Yeah. Not not the new kids on the block. No, but, they don't have any guitar solos no. in, in new kids on the block. But I'm talking about like the new, you know. There's no, there's no, there's no grit in it anymore. There's Mm-mm. there's no. It's all it's all very uh, manufactured. Yeah, I want. Unlike I wanna, Kiss, <laughs> I want to hear the sweat in there. You know. Yeah. So, uh, what? Tell me, tell me about. I am assuming you've seen Kiss in concert many, many times. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's an experience, man. The pyrotechnics, you know, the the makeup, the the leather, everything. Which one's your favorite? You got to pick one. Uh, I'm a pyrotechnics guy yeah. myself. I just I love explosions. I mean, it's like fireworks, but they're like right in front of you. I got to be honest with you. I saw Kiss uh, and Def Leppard uh, in concert at the DT nice, Energy nice. Music Theater about like. Four years ago, uh, didn't enjoy it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't like it. Uh, I actually spent a good portion of Def Leppard's performance sitting on a bench in DT Energy, just waiting for it to oh, be over. Oh man, goodness! It was a uh, just I, didn't didn't sound good. It's, I mean, it sounded like Def Leppard and Kiss. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, not a fan of the rock and roll, huh? I'm a fan of rock and roll. I just uh, I don't know. Something doesn't rub me the right way about about Kiss. I'm sorry. That's fine, man. It's a different time. I mean, Van Halen, though, is cool, right? Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, man. I actually think they might be the least of those three. Jeez. Mm. Well, Maybe, uh, yeah, no, I'd say they're above. I'd say they're above Def Leppard. I'll give you that. But, but I mean, right. but, but then again, pour some sugar on me. It's like, it's the that's, jam. That's a hot one. Each yeah. of the, see, each of them have like that jam that make you not like totally hate them. Like there, even though I'm sure a lot of people who like Def Leppard would say "Pour Some Sugar on Me" is not up there, right? Mm. Uh, but like you know, <laughs> people are gonna hate that I say this, but Jump is always fun. <laughs> but fan hate. Oh no, I love Jump. Yeah. Every time I go bowling, I put that one on. Yeah. 
Do you what? Uh, do you ever draw the bowling alley when you when you go to the bowling alley? Uh, <laughs> do I enjoy it? Draw it. Do you ever draw it like me? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I you know I I doodle. I wouldn't say I'm a drawer. I doodle like yeah, doodle napkins dude. and stuff. But uh, <laughs> usually I just you know just draw pictures of uh, myself. If you could ever, uh, if you could go back in time and uh, choose a different path, not be a radio host, would you? I would do it all over again. Yeah. I'm telling you, I had the best life. Would man. you do anything differently? Probably wear a condom. A lot more than mm. you got kids out here. In How many streets? kids? Uh, is it more of a kids or disease? Disease okay, thing. I see. Yeah, mm. yeah, no kids though. Well, a condom isn't going to protect you from the big C, it's not. Yeah, certainly not. Well, I mean, if you put condoms on your on your entire hands, body, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you cover your hands and your and your tongue and your mouth and uh, nose and your nose and your entire body, and yes, in, basically in a condom, hazmat. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've I've been riddled with many STDs, so it's I'm not too scared. <laughs> riddled with, let me say, riddled. Oh, what what t- in top three favorite STDs you've had? Uh, syphilis. Is gonorrhea. this three to one or is this one to three? Uh, I'll start. I'll start with. Uh, we'll go three to one. Okay. Uh, syphilis. Yeah. Gonorrhea. And the clap is the, clap, the clap is fun. Yeah. The clap is fun. Wait, isn't wait? What is the clap? I thought that was a. Uh, I thought gonorrhea was the clap. Well, it's it's a super super gonorrhea. Oh, what super gonorrhea? Mm. It's you know it's got some extra. Um, yeah, a little extra you know bodily fluids le- leaking. All right, all right. <laughs> have you ever heard of such a thing, Jalen? I have not. Wow, wow. So so you have no regrets. No, no. Well, I mean, maybe that uh, you know that orgy that got my wife involved with Kiss. I thought you liked that though. I mean, it was fun at the time, but I, I do kind of miss her. Yeah, yeah. But what are you, you know, what are you gonna do? You can't. You can't do She's anything. She's gone. You can't blame yourself for her actions. You know. No, no. You only have yourself to worry about. I would so, even put on the Kiss makeup in the bedroom just to try and didn't work. No. She, She's still left. It's the tongue. Yeah. He's got that big long tongue. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, what is what's the next steps for you? What? Uh, how are you going to get back on your feet? You can't just sit in your your, your parents' basement. Yeah, well, forever. I mean, maybe uh, I thought maybe I could like be your co-host if you got like it's like a paid gig, right? I mean, it is. I, I do actually. I had a. I used to have an intern who would co-host the show every now and again, and I paid him seventy five thousand a year benefits and four hundred one k and all that stuff, but I have actually I don't have another. Uh, uh, um, Are you hiring? Uh, I mean, it's more of like an audition process. Like it took him a long time to get to that point, uh, but he moved. He moved away, and I haven't been able to fill that spot yet. Dang. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I baby, I, mean, I can do stuff like that. I don't know. Like, hey, Michael Dupree, baby. Every time you do that, somehow, even though you're, I feel like the volume on your voice isn't going up, it's somehow popping the microphone. That's the power of my my voice. <laughs> well, what about you, Jalen? Do you have any have any sweet moves that might make me want you to make what make what? Oh, right. Might make me want to make you my 
co-host. I mean, I can go from talking like this to talking like this. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. You put on that Keith sweat. Hell yeah. You've got to understand what that voice is doing. It's like a pillow yeah. talk kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's how you do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Michael Dupree Variety Hour. Well, you get uh, your sweet and sour, uh, savory sounds for you. All right, you're now you're taking you're you're getting to the point where you're gonna people are gonna want to make you the host. So cool, oh, dial bad. it back me, a little bit. I want to hear see how high your voice can go. How high? That's the highest. No, probably not. <laughs> you, just, you don't want to go there. I don't want to crack. <laughs> I don't want. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's see. This maybe this will be how you get ahead, rocking Ronnie Randall. Uh, well, how high can you make your voice go? Whoa. That was nice. That was beautiful. That was nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to dabble in, you know, I had my own hair metal band. Really? What were they called? The we were called the the, uh, the Shooters. The Shooters? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's just like... Did you have any hits? Uh, we had a, uh, a regional hit. What was that? Uh, it was called uh, Sweet Pants. <laughs> Can you get my hair showing off some of that? Were you the singer? I was the bass player, so it's like. And what was the vocal parts like? Sweet pants, come on down. Sweet pants, come on over here. Sweet pants, yeah, yeah. Sweet pants, back it on up. <laughs> that sounds about on brand for what a hair metal song would sound like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was it was kind of big in uh, the west side of the state. Uh, Kalamazoo but, area. It's oh, okay. number yeah. one in Kalamazoo yeah. for. Yeah. What happened for to that weekend. band? Why? Why you guys? Uh, you kind of just stop or just? Uh, yeah. Dissent among the members. Yeah, there was some dissent. You know, some of us kind of wanted to to go corporate and sell out, and you know, so the the other guys ended up. Uh, you you were not part of the group that wanted to go corporate and sell out. No, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> the rest of the guys, you know, they, they had integrity, and I, was, uh-huh. I just wanted one. So it was just you that wanted to go corporate and yeah. sell out. Well, I mean, it's not, like, did you have an opportunity? Like, did you have someone, like, with a pen, like, all right, sign, sign to this record label? Yeah, there was, there was an offer on the table for 48 hours. They said, you know, you could sign this. Don't think about it too long, 48 hours. And uh, it is a lot of money. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting a phone call. What the heck is this? Hey, you're uh you're on the line with Michael the Pre Variety Hour. I I don't know we're not so don't only take calls. What hey, is it? uh yeah. Um I really want to go to the KISS concert and I was wondering if you guys have KISS concert tickets. Well you came to the right place. This is Rockin' Ronnie Randall. How you doing, buddy? To be honest with you, I I saw my ex-girlfriend, Wendy, she was at the store, and, you know, she had a, a KISS concert shirt on, and I was like, you know, you're just a bitch. Whoa, that whoa. Shirt. That was my shirt, and all I want is KISS concert tickets, and she had my shirt. Well, you're in luck, pal, because I got two front row tickets. To kiss, coming up at the knob this summer. Is it for me? They're yours. You're the uh, first caller. In fact, you're the only caller, so they're yours. I've been, these have been burning a hole in my pocket all day to give them out to some lucky fan. Oh, if they're on fire, then I can't get into the concert. Well, no, I mean, not, 
they're on fire now, but, I mean, that's part of uh, the pyrotechnic show. I mean, they'll stay burning until the summer. Listen, I, I don't want to be scammed like my ex-girlfriend Wendy did to me. I just want to go see Kiss, so if the tickets are on fire, I guess I'll just have to call someone else. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, these are completely dry tickets. There's no fire. They're... they're it's a, like they're hot. Like you're losing them. You're losing them. All right, all right. Listen, man. Wh- where do you live? Uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. No, I, it's not real. Not really. I live in South Lyon. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> why, why are you trying to lie about living in Philadelphia? Well, that's because Lane Staley from Allison Chains is from that place. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and he made really good music, and he actually covered for Kiss. Uh-huh. So many times. Oh yeah, you put di- that, and then he died. You put that oh. face paint on. Nobody knows who's who's even up there. Yeah, but it was kind of sad that he died. Do you remember when I said that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was a good friend of mine. I was I shared a hot tub with Lane Staley before. Was there was there pee in the tub? Because sometimes when I take a bath, I can't really help it. I just go pee. No, I, those, there's so many chemicals in those things. You can pee as much as you want. And... In the bathtub? I think you mean a swimming pool. Oh, yeah. No, well, I, bathe, I bathe in swimming pools. Oh, I see. Uh, I, all right. I so show up at hotels. Are you giving him the tickets or not? Do you have to, does he have to answer a trivia question, or is he just getting them? Yeah. Actually, do you guys can... have tickets to the Kiss concert? We do. I got two, two <laughs> tickets, not on fire, perfectly good front row tickets. Uh, maybe I could come by. Uh, crash on your couch till the show, and me and you can go. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm gonna talk about my ex girlfriend Wendy a lot, and so I hope you're prepared for that. And I might cry, so I, if you, I might need your shoulder to cry on. Oh, dude. Um, I hope that's not weird for you. It's not at all, is. man. I mean, my wife, my wife left me too, man. So I was mean, her it, name Wendy. It was. Wow. How, did Wait. she leave you for Gene Simmons? I'm talking my, to you. What's your name, by the way? My name's Carl. All right. And uh, did your wife leave you for Gene Simmons of of Kiss? Uh, she left me for a guy named Gene Simmons. Oh, okay, different guy. <laughs> yeah, oh, bl- like blue jeans, like blue Gene Simmons. Yeah, or like French, like it's jeans. French mm-hmm. people oh. put S after Gene. Great. You know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Jeans LaRoe, you know, like uh-huh. the rocker. Completely uh-huh. different guy. Yeah, different guy, different guy. Well, uh, all right, does he get the tickets or not? Yeah, you got the tickets, buddy. Uh, That's uh, really cool. Uh, do you have? Do you guys have barbecue sauce? I just ran out. <laughs> I could ask my mom. I mean, I live with my mom. She's got a lot of condiments, though. She's got a Costco membership, so. Your mom's got a lot of condom men? Yeah. That's cool, dude. More power to her, bro. She, I All stay right. in the basement. I don't get involved. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling in, Carl. I don't know how hey. you got my number. <laughs> no, Carl, man. I'll uh, I'll get your number from uh, from Michael, and we'll 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 hang out and go to that kiss show together. Talk about cool, our, our love. T- talk about our uh, exes. Yeah, that sounds great. Oh, do you know my ex-wife or my ex-girlfriend, Wendy? I I don't know if I asked her or not. All right. We'll talk to you later, Carl. Wait. All right. That sounds like a cool dude. He seems fine, I guess. Oh, man. Good old Carl. I do not know how he got my number, but... Uh, 
I'm glad he did. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm glad he did. I don't. Now I got somebody to go to the Kiss concert with. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, well, guys, uh, it's almost time for the end of our show. Uh, but before we do, uh, we got a quick little game we're gonna play, and that game is called. Name that fee! Yes, that's right. In this game, I'll give you the name of a famous person who wrote an autobiography and uh, multiple choice answers, and you gotta tell me which is the actual name of the autobiography. Yeah! Nice. I like this. Make sense? I love this song. Alright. <laughs> you guys ready? Yes, sir. Do you get how it works? Let's do this. Makes Explain sense. it one more time. One more time. One more time. All right. So I'm going to give you the name of an autobiography. Or I'm going to give you, sorry, I'm going to give you the name of a person, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you four choices. You got to tell me which of those is the name of their autobiography, okay. is the title of their autobiography. Okay. All right. Cool. Are we both competing against each other? Yeah. So we're going to go one at a time. Sorry. Okay. So Jalen, you go first. And then, then Rock and Ronnie Randall. All right, and whoever gets the most point at the end gets uh, free tickets to the Def Leppard show. Oh, nice! Yeah. All right, Jalen, your n- celebrity okay. is Vanilla Ice. Oh God! Is his autobiography A. Ice by Ice, B. The King of Music, C. Stop. Collaborate and read this. Or D, Little Mr. Nilla is famous. Hmm. A, Ice by Ice. B, The King of Music. C, Stop, Collaborate and Read This. Or D, Little Mr. Nilla is famous. Let's go with A. A, Ice by Ice. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Jalen, you are correct. That's right. It is called Ice by Ice, written in 1991. It's the autobiography of the first white musician to achieve fame and success in the world of rap. Wow. Um, One Amazon reviewer gave it five stars and said, It's Faulkner-esque. I always hoped for a sequel to William Faulkner's As I Lay Dying. This is that sequel. From the use of his own language, yup, yup, and thanks with two X's, to his cryptic sentence structure, to his insightful commentary on the world, that's really slamming, yo. I'm a rapper, and most rappers do wear gold. The author shows enough similarities to Faulkner that I believe Vanilla Ice to be the Faulkner nom de plume. That's intense. intense. (laughs) Were the Beastie Boys before him? I think so. That's the, the, the for clarity. That was the summary on his book, not not my my summary. Also, there was a con- it's mired in controversy because it turns out he didn't actually write it. Wow. Uh, so I mean, I imagine a lot of autobiographies. Ice not buys. <laughs> yeah, ice not by ice. Uh, all right, are you ready, Rockin' Ronnie? Let's do this. Let's do it. Your celebrity is Jay Leno. Is the name of Jay Leno's autobiography a? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? B. My life in cars. C. Leading with my chin. Or D. How I got spanked a lot as a kid and yet still got over, uh, took over a famous talk show. I'm gonna go with C. Leading with my chin. C. Leading with my chin. Is that your final answer? Final answer. 
Rockin' Ronnie Randall. You are correct. Right. That's absolutely <laughs> right. Yes, Leading With My Chin is the story of the king of late-night television and America's hardest-working comedian, and he delivers the monologue of his life. One Amazon customer rated it five stars on July 11, 2002 and said, Oh my God, I laughed so freaking hard while I was reading this book. I have now read it over eight times. I loves all of the hilarious parts, and I think it's probably the best book ever. Wow, I'm going to have to pick that Imagine up. reading Jay Leno's autobiography eight times. <laughs> That's sad. All right, you guys are one for one here. You guys are killing it so far. Hey. All right, Jalen, your celebrity, your next uh, round is Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. You know Gordon Ramsay, right? Yes. <laughs> All right, is Gordon Ramsay's autobiography A, Thank You Chef, B, Gordon Uncensored. C. Humble Pie. D. Yum Yum Yummy, the delicious book of stories and gags by and about America's favorite celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay. Hmm. One more time. Is it A. Thank You Chef. B. Gordon Uncensored. C. Humble Pie. Or D, Yum Yum Yummy, the delicious books of stories and gags by and about America's favorite celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay. He's not humble. I would hate to think the title <laughs> would be that long. Uh, no, no, no. That was, C is just humble pie. Humble? C is. No, I know. I know. D. D is really long. D is Gordon. really long, yes. Hmm. Thank you, chef. Was it Ramsey Uncensored? It be Ramsey Uncensored. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Jalen, you are wrong. I'm sorry. Man. The Thank an you, correct chef. answer. No, it's actually Humble Pie. Uh, yes, everyone thinks they know the real Gordon Ramsay. Rude, loud, pathologically driven, stubborn as hell. But this is his real story. And uh, somebody on Amazon gave it a one-star review uh, and said, What the hell's kitchen? This sucks. Not the book. The read was great and gave great insight into what drives Chef Ramsay. What sucks is that I ordered this expensive book and Gordon Ramsay's uh, Humble Pie used for 130 and with the exception of one chapter, they're the exact same freaking book. What the F? I read Humble Pie, so I will skip the read re-return and return get my money back. So she bought... Basically, she bought the paperback version of it and the audiobook version and was upset that they were the same book. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, good for her. Good for her. Uh, all right. So, unfortunately, Jalen, you are Dang. now behind. Or, right. I mean, you guys are still tied, technically. Yeah. Uh, but you have an opportunity to take the lead. Uh, take the lead here. Uh, Rockin' Ronnie Randall. All right. Let her rip. Let her rip. Your next celebrity is... Patrick Swayze. Real man's man. Is his book A. Keeping It Swayze. B. The Time of My Life. C. My Life, A Dirty Autobiography. Or D. A Man Named Rick. Patrick. Patrick Swayze. A Man Named Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, B. The Time of My Life. You're going to go with B. Fi time of My Life. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Rockin' Ronnie Randall. That is correct. 
Yes, in February yes. 2008, Patrick announced he had been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Always a fighter, he refused to let the disease bring him to his knees, and his bravery inspired many. Uh, Din Anna on Amazon gave it one star uh, and said, Since I am a huge Swayze fan, all I can say is terrific. <laughs> But she gave it one star. I don't think she understood how the rating scale worked. <laughs> All right. I'll definitely uh, read that one. So you uh, looks like you are the winner, Rockin' Ronnie Randall. Def uh, Leppard tickets. You do get Def Leppard tickets, but you get to get an extra Def Leppard ticket if you get this next one right. A bonus round. Oh, here we go. Sorry, Jalen. Unfortunately, you're a freaking loser. Dang. <laughs> You, no can, you can still come with me to yeah. Def Leppard if yeah, you want. Yeah, you get an extra ticket. If to, so if you want to expe- extend your, ta- your hand to, to you and Carl and The three and of Jaylen. us. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. Uh, where's my little thing? All right. Your next celebrity is, in this bonus round, is David Hasselhoff. He's a reals man's man. Is it A, don't hassle the Hoff? Is it B, barefoot on the beach? Is it C, autobiography, or D, imagining if I were bald, 200 pages of me thinking about this? I mean, don't hassle the Hoff. That's got to be it. Is it it's just a, too perfect. A, a, don't hassle the Hoff. Don't is, hassle the Hoff, A. Rockin' Ronnie Randall. You're getting another ticket ah. to Def Leppard. That's right. Don't Hassle the Hoff follows David Hasselhoff's phenomenal career from his earliest childhood role in Peter Pan to his latest adventure starring in Mel Brooks's Tony Award winning musical The Producers. Uh, I'm going to guess this movie. This book came out uh, not recently. Uh, and Navy Bean, this, uh, this, this review really sent me over the edge. Navy Bean uh, on Amazon gave it five stars and said, so tired of all the negativity. Negativity is a word I invented. It's nag plus negativity, okay? And frankly, I'm so sick of the millions, billions, of David Hasselhoff detractors that I could pull my chest and back hair out. Hoff is about transcendence. Hoff loves all the peoples of the earth except the Inuits. (laughs) He made that perfectly clear to me in a dream I had about him. Hoff is the first guy to acknowledge his limitations. No, he can't act. Yes, his looks are fading. Maybe he assaulted his his ex-wife. Indeed, he's tall. I just get sick of people taking the easy shots at David. We get it. He's not talented. No one is trying to argue with you. Just realize that Hoff has feelings too. And when you continually bash someone for the things outside of their intelligence level, then I have to call Dirty Pool. All right. (laughs) Don't well, say that to the people of Germany. I guess so. Well, that's they love him. That's how you play. What is that fee? Yes, thank you guys both so much for being on the show today. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Rock man. and Ronnie Randall. Anything you would like to plug? Uh, just um, outside that Def Leppard show, I'm gonna have some uh, bootleg T-shirts. I'll be selling in the parking lot if anybody wants. Very uh, cool. Rock and Ronnie Randall merch. I need an extra large. Thank you very much. All right. Nice. You got it. You guys coming with me? Three tickets. I thought you and Carl and Jalen were going. Well, we're going to Kiss, but uh, all right, yeah, well, I'll bring him to Def Leppard, too. Why okay. not? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. I'll go. I mean, yeah, don't tell him about Def Leppard. I'll go to that with you. All right. All Even right. though, I mean, maybe they Even can redeem themselves. Sit on the bench. They might redeem themselves maybe. this time. Maybe. You could. Uh, Jalen, where can people find you? Where can people find your uh, your stuff? 
Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram at Jalen Beatty. That's J A L Y N B A I T Y. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine. Um, I'm the only person in the world with my name, so I'm easy to wow. find. You feel me? So awesome. Me Thank you guys both so much for being on the show today. Uh, we have a very fun show lined up for you guys next week. Uh, next week we will be. Where's my Frickin' list, guys. Holy crap. <laughs> next week, we'll be joined by the Whiskey Charmers. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be back next week for more fun. Bye. Bye. The Michael the Brave Variety Hour is powered by Pinecast and is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network. If you like what you heard today, give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. And uh, follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Michael Dupree VH. The theme song for the Michael Dupree Variety Hour is Don't Weigh Me Down by Broadcast 2000. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Wow, that was great.